Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. This episode is part of the DAO mini-series, which is a crossover series between the Brave New Work podcast and On the Other Side, where we talk all about what DAOs can learn from self-managing orgs with Aaron Dignan and Rodney Evans from The Ready, who are the hosts of the Brave New Work podcast. They are experts in the world of self-management. So this series is all about super short, bite-sized episodes where we talk about very specific topics and explore what DAOs can learn from self-managing orcs. Before we get into that, I want to give a quick thank you to Rabbit Hole for sponsoring On the Other Side. Rabbit Hole allows users to earn crypto while they explore the weird world of Web3, guiding new users down the crypto rabbit hole in a curated way to make sure that people coming into the space are not only using positive sum protocols, but are also starting to build their on-chain resume as they do it. The long-term vision is building the open credentialing system for Web3. And to build that system, it's important that they're decentralized. The Pathfinder program is paving the way for decentralizing Rabbit Hole and creating an open system built by the community, not by a single team. If you're interested in checking out Rabbit Hole or joining the Pathfinder program, you can learn more at rabbithole.gg pathfinder or check them out on Twitter at rabbithole underscore gg. All right, let's hop into the show. On this episode, I want to talk about compensation and really dive into it because I feel like this is a big question in everyone's brains, but something that's kind of an uncomfortable conversation. So setting the scene a little bit before we dive into the weeds, comp is something that I think a lot of DAOs haven't quite figured out in the sense that because sometimes it feels like it's a reflection of power and power structures, which I think we're still figuring out, we tend to avoid any central party or central group of people deciding on comp, or we go completely the other way where we're like, yep, the way that companies do it is the way that we'll do it. In the midst of that, we have tools like Coordinate, which are really amazing that for anyone who's not familiar, essentially allocate the decision to everyone within like a team or a pod so that they can decide who should get paid what. So we have lots of tools that sort of play with this, but it still feels like comp is one of those things where it's like how we value our work in a decentralized way is confusing, all of that. So I kind of want to get the broad strokes view of like one of the better mental models to think about comp through and then dive in that way if that sounds good. So a couple of things just based on what you already said, Chase. One is this is definitely an area where the OS of the DAO will be likely, or at least in in more traditional organizations, like very influenced by broader OSs because of tax law and legal structures and other things. So it's like as a person who with Aaron has been for the last six months trying to think of the future of work version of an equity plan and just consistently running into the laws of America, this is a super interesting like OSE question. Anyway, put that to the side. Here's my main provocation to get your response to Chase is how skilled are DAOs, you can take any as an example or all of them if you see broad trends, at sort of atomizing compensation by role and also by piecework. Because usually I see something that's like, you know, when you go centralized, then you generally go monolithic. That's like 
Chase's value is X. And so Chase gets paid X. When you go super marketplacey, often you get kind of mercenary. And so it's like, you know, I want to be paid Y for this effort every single time. And to me, there's a third way here, which is there might be a role-based move that's just about being a member of the DAO or being a contributing member of the DAO or being a core team member of the DAO. And then like more of a layering on based on roles held. So this gets into a question that I feel like is emerging, which is, Hmm. I think in some ways we are good at atomizing work in the sense that we can say, if you do X, which we have pre-planned and know that we need strategically, you could get paid this. You know, I feel like there are systems for that, or you could do something where you have people suggest a rate. Like, I feel like that part we're not great at, but we're sort of figuring out. Mm -hmm. What gets weird, and I think where the waters get really murky, is that a lot of DAOs, I think, kind of start to realize that a lot of the types of work that are really valuable to the DAO are very hard to atomize. Mm. And maybe that's just because we don't have clear roles and responsibilities, and so it's actually a reflection of that. But I think there's this weird balancing act that we're doing between trying to define something on the onset and then allowing for people to take on new projects that are really cool in a way that we never would have imagined. But like how comp changes with that feels difficult to navigate right now. What's an example of one of those roles that feels like it's hard to atomize or pin down? Something like strategy or business development or even something like there are some DAOs that have started to experiment with having sort of like a council that helps guide. Maybe it would be probably still aligned more of like with strategy. Sure. And so those are the types of things where it's just like, especially people coming in that are doing smaller amounts of work in that context, it's very hard to figure out what the value of that is in a way that feels comfortable, which maybe compensation shouldn't be a comfortable conversation. <laughs> yeah. How much therapy do we need to do for it to be comfortable? Um, <laughs> the the thing that I'm thinking about is that we have at the ready sort of tucked away a set of choices that you need to make about compensation to establish a compensation approach. And often they're made implicitly or without discussion or there's conflict around what they are. But I think if you make these choices, you do end up with an approach coming out the other end. And then maybe we can talk about what our approach is that came out the other end. Um, Rodney can dig into that. But essentially, it's a series of choices. And the choices are things like, is the compensation going to be person-based, market-based, or internally augmented? So that means like, if we are having someone do a finance role or a strategy role or a project, are we going to charge what the market would pay? Are we going to charge what that person needs to make to make the choice to come work with us? Or are we going to have some kind of an internal marketplace that's augmented from reality in some way, like a nonprofit might say, we pay market rate minus 20%. So that's one type of a choice. Another one is, is it role-based or employment-based? So as Rodney said, is it about like breaking down the work into atomized roles or initiatives or projects? Or is it like, hey, you work here and so it's 90k a year and that's that? Is it contingent or guaranteed? 
So is the pay going to come no matter what, or is it, you know, based on something? Is it localized or country-based or even, you know, global in terms of the rate that you set? And I have strong feelings about, about that if anybody wants to get into it. Is it self-set, team-set, leader-set, or committee-set? So you just talked about a council providing advice. Um, who decides what the rate should be for that given project or role or salary or what have you? Is it negotiable or non-negotiable? So are we playing the game of letting you know bias and identity creep in, or are we actually making offers that are a given and people take them or leave them? Is it secret or transparent? So this one's easy in a DAO environment, but in traditional orgs, is the comp going to be seen by everyone else or not is a big debate. Is it singular, variable, or tiered and leveled? And by that, I mean, like, is there project manager level one and project manager level two on a project? Or is it just specific to the project? Or is it anybody can pay anything they want for that project based on, the, you know, whoever's stewarding it? Is it annually adjusted? adjusted by the market or custom adjusted. So like at Netflix, for example, salaries every year are market adjusted. So if the market goes down, everybody gets a pay cut. It doesn't matter how Netflix did that year. And if the market goes way up, everybody gets a raise. And it doesn't matter whether you know Netflix ate it in their quarterly earnings or not. Are there raises or no raises in that scenario? Is it tenure or experience driven or not? Or is it just based on skill and reputation? And then is the review of it connected to performance and other kinds of feedback or is it separate and that's a long list i know but i wanted to just share all that because really if you have an answer to each of those questions you're pretty much done like then you can kind of just write it out in prose and and you have a policy that is so helpful because it feels like it brings to the surface a lot of these trade-offs that we're making mm -hmm. that have been hard to articulate how do you decide on those things? And at what level do you decide on those things? I guess this well, will be going back to the operating system question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it will. It will. So I would say the decision, the, there, there, there are a couple of questions. So, um, and this goes back also to the atomization of roles question. So let's say that there is a compensation that is a flat rate for any member of a DAO or any member of the ready. Because that's something that impacts our entire system, the agreement around that needs to be governed at a high altitude. So basically, you need consent from representation of all members to do that. Whereas in a subcircle, like say hiring at the ready, that circle can create a compensation agreement for the non-base member comp that is just for them. And what they could say is every project team that needs a new hire that comes from the hiring circle pays us X out of their P&L to get that hire. Or they could create an agreement that says, based on our roles, we want to be paid this per cycle and we want it to come basically from the company's central budget. Or we want to, at the end of each trimester, look back at what we've done and make a proposal around how we're paid. So I, I'm saying like there are probably agreements that get proposed at different altitudes based on who they impact. And most of what most of those choices that Aaron just described will show up in an agreement. 
So you might have some work to do. You might have a core team that takes a first crack at a bunch of those things like self-set, transparent, market-based, et cetera, et cetera. And those foundational agreements likely should be consented to by someone. If Even if it's only just like the very originating members of the DAO, understanding that there will be more variation that is more specific to types of work and, you know, is more decentralized down the line. It's interesting because there's, that makes a lot of sense. And then also the thing that my brain goes to is most of the project teams at the ready are making a profit, right? Mm -hmm. Or is that not true? Yes, they are. What feels weird or something that we're trying to navigate in DAOs is that for a lot of types of DAOs, they're definitely not making a profit for most mm-hmm. of the pods, either because DAOs are early and, you know, so they're, they're still finding product market fit in general or in even more often is the case is that you have pods or teams or nests that support a product but directly don't make any money. Mm-hmm. And something that's been interesting is watching some of those pods try to go out to a market and sell their services outside of the product, mm. which kind of starts to feel like it's like, are you just a startup that's confused and doing too much because <laughs> you haven't yet hit product market fit? Or uh-huh. is that actually like a new mechanism for these types of organizations? Yeah, and that's think, kind of confusing. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. I mean, for me, like two things. One, several of the circles inside the ready are not profit producing and hiring is a good example. Like it is definitely in service of the project teams that go out to do the work that they have people to do that work. So I think the way that that happens is that you need some sort of collaborative or decentralized funding model, coordinate being an example, right? But anything where you can basically say, here's the central funds and by what mechanism will we allocate these to circles so that they can do further further distribution of, of those resources. I think that's okay and that's a given. The example you just gave, I would just ask, is the thing that they're selling outside the same thing that we need and use inside? Because if it's the same thing, then I think that can be really healthy and interesting because it puts market forces on that offering from the outside as well as the inside, and that will make it better over time. So for example, if like the hiring circle does recruiting for the ready, and in order to pay for themselves at the rate they need to be paid, they also do some recruiting for the outside market. My assessment is that unless that becomes completely distracting, it, there are some benefits at least to that trade-off, right? There are some benefits in terms of like, this has to work for the broader market, which means we have to be really good, not just the only game in town internally. And if it's very different from what's needed internally, then it may be a distraction or it may be a decentralization of the offering. And And I would, I would look at the phase of the company to decide whether that's cool or not, right? Because if it's like year seven and we're looking for diversification, then maybe it's really exciting that you're seeing these, you know, alternative and competitive or different products or services hitting the market. But if it's year one, and we still don't have PMF on the core business, that might be a little bit more problematic and incoherent. So, you know, as in all things, it's like, you're looking for that balance. And and it's up to the team to make sense of where that sits. I almost wonder if that's even a good 
way to think about sub DAOs, which is this thing that's mm. emerged that are DAOs within DAOs that can sometimes totally. service other DAOs. Mm-hmm. And it feels like maybe that's one of the best indicators also probably for whether or not a sub DAO would be healthy for an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that we tend to be like, oh, we can have a sub DAO that does this, this, and this, and it can serve other DAOs and it can be profitable. And it's like, okay, maybe we should take a step back and ask, does it align with and actually support our primary business? If it doesn't, does it make sense? Or does our primary business even make sense? Like, is there actually something that we need to be changing? Make your own bed first. Like if you're talking about spinning an internal service out into an external service, make sure it kicks ass for you first. Otherwise, you're otherwise, you're basically just starting a startup. I mean, on the one hand, totally plus one. On the other hand, if I have a sub DAO that is around hiring and the DAO isn't making good use of it because there's like politics or they think they know better or whatever, and other DAOs want to hire my sub DAO to do their hiring, I think that's super interesting data. Agreed. Agreed. And I think a sub DAO is an even more separate entity than maybe what I was just imagining when I said that. But yeah, that's Uh definitely, I agree with you. But I do think, Chase, the the other point that you're getting at that's really interesting in the sort of structure field of the OS is, is a sub DAO being created because it has found product market fit inside the DAO? Or is there some group of people who's like, here's a thing we should have. Let's go make this thing. And it's not in response to a real need or tension because those things fall apart all the time. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of sub DAOs, I think, tend to be very experimental in the sense that it's not necessarily something that's like, hey, we need this and maybe other people can benefit from it. But it's like, hey, we could create this token and do some Uh stuff and Uh get people to buy it and join our community, (laughs) which is there's probably a place for that. It's just challenging because it's not the same symbiotic relationship that you guys are talking about. And it's also one of those moments where it's like, well, if the DAO doesn't use you, yeah, wh- and you're you're What's going on, yeah, right. why even be part of the DAO in the first place? You could just go make your own. I mean, DAOs DAOs have the potential and the tendency to be a little bit chaos magic, which <laughs> is like, yes, you can do that, and it might turn out to be a huge thing, but then it's fundamentally incoherent with maybe the purpose or the intent of the original membrane. So I do think it does boil down to like. How coherent is your strategy? And if your strategy is like, we're going to create a DAO that is a seeding ground for innovation and an incubator, and we're going to do a bunch of stuff, that sounds like great. Like, go mm-hmm. spin out a bunch of sub DAOs and go make trouble. If it's like, we're going to buy a golf club or we're going to end world hunger, you need the coherence of the membership to adhere to that to a large degree, or you just won't get there. So it does boil down, I think, to mission and vision at a high level before you can assess whether that's good or bad. Doesn't it always boil down to that? It's funny. Conversations I have about compensation never end up being directly about compensation because it's always about (laughs) the factors underneath them. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It always blows my mind. After I recorded that episode with Zach, I was like, interesting. We didn't even talk about comp for that long, but that's because (laughs) comp is like such a surface level thing and everything else is underneath it. Yes. And 
One of the problems with focusing on comp, like we've talked on this show before about complexity versus complication, comp, because it is inherently mechanistic, is complicated. And so when you're trying to design a complicated solution in a complex system full of humans, it will never work exactly the way that you want it to because you add more complication to it. So Mm. we're always looking for like, what is the simplest way for the money to do what we want it to do. And if what we want it to do is incentivize people to go sell shit, there's a way to do that. If we want it to keep people at the ready forever until they retire, there's a way to do that. Like we have to look at what we're trying to get it to do and then find the simplest possible straightest line between the money and the motivation. Which really serves two goals because I feel like ultimately that's something that is often the question that people don't ask, which is just like, what do you actually want? Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Not just how will it manifest, but what do you want? Exactly. And, you know, Erin, I can't remember what we were trying to figure out. It was something that was very comp related. Mm. And basically, I worked with Ali and Alistar on like a long set of principles. And then you Mm. and I both did like blind prioritization of those principles and compared and contrasted. And Chase, those principles, what we were finding was because we had a variety of compensation mechanisms, there were like mixed messages around what they were meant to do. Mm. And so what we needed to prioritize and then have it make the comp follow was like, are we incentivizing long term or short term? Are we incentivizing focusing on the ready as an organization that can scale or just like selling business as fast as a human could? We had to really be like, you can't have both sides of every polarity. Let's get clear on what they are. Let's put them in order. Like, are we incentivizing for collectivism or individual benefit. Like we just had to sort of get those things down on paper. And if I can find that list, I will share it with you and then be like, okay, we can't have all of these things. We probably can't even have like three of them. So (laughs) for real, what are A, B, and C? And then let's like rip down what we've been doing if we need to and sort of like build over. I think that's a perfect way to close out this episode. Right on. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcast I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.